Welcome to the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Axel Ragnarsson, and on this show, I dissect how seasoned multifamily investors started, built, and scaled their businesses. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I want to quickly dive into the math behind why buying a small multifamily property can be as profitable or more profitable than buying a larger multifamily property. And I'm going to define small and, and you know large here with some numbers in a second. Um, and the reason that I want to release this episode and then I want to talk about this, and I have talked about it a little bit in past podcast episodes, both with guests and then you know by myself on some solo episodes, is because I think there's a massive misconception amongst newer investors that are looking to get into multifamily as it relates to the content that is out there um, both on podcasts, on YouTube, on social media, in terms of what to focus on. I think there are such there, there's such a large number of educators in this space, whether it's paid education or people just talking about it, talking about how you just got to go right to large multifamily. There's more money in large multifamily. It's more profitable. You get you know more scale, more units under one roof, yada, yada. But when you actually break down the math, it's a little illuminating in terms of the money that can be made doing mid to large deals or small deals. And I also think that a lot of newer investors just assume that the route to go if you want to make the most money and scale the fastest is to go and you know raise some money and look for larger deals. I think that there's just an assumption that, hey, we're doing a larger deal, a larger purchase price, I'm raising the capital, that, that on the other side of that bridge, there's more money. It's more profitable. It's a better use of their time. And my argument is the complete opposite. And I'm going to talk about it why or talk about why here. So I want to talk about two scenarios. Let's say that, you know, let's all pretend that we're a new multifamily investor looking to get into the market and we're evaluating two different deals. Uh, the first deal is a five unit multifamily property. And the other deal is a 50 unit multifamily property. So let's do the math here. So let's say we can buy this five unit property at $400,000, uh, $80,000 a unit, right? And let's say that the 50 unit would trade at the same price, $80,000 a unit, meaning we would be paying $4 million for that property. So we'll talk about the five unit first. So let's say we buy the $400,000. Um, in three years, it's worth $500,000, right? You know, we... We bought it right. We bought, we bought it slightly below market value. You know, we did some slight management improvements. We increased the value. Market appreciate a little bit. In three years, it's worth five hundred grand. So, okay, we made a hundred grand in that scenario, right? That's a nice little win. Now let's talk about the fifty unit deal. So, there's going to be more mechanics to doing this, right? So I'm going to walk through it. So let's say we buy the four million dollars. Similar business plan, similar type of property. You know, it's in the same market. Three years later, it's worth five million dollars. You know, uh, you know, it's worth hundred grand a unit. Same, same outcome as the smaller deal. Now, let's say you raised uh, all of the capital to buy that, right? Or, or a large chunk, right? You raised uh, the vast majority of the capital required here. Um, actually, let's just say all of it, right? Let's say you needed a million dollars down, twenty-five percent down to buy this four million dollar property. You need million dollars to close, so you raise the million dollars from investors. You know, that's not easy to do. That takes a lot of work, especially, you know, on your first handful of deals. It's not easy to raise a million dollars. Now, let's say that you you do a standard syndication split. So you're splitting it, you know, 70-30 split amongst the investors. And 
Now we're looking at the deal in three years. You made a million dollars profit, right? You bought it for four, you're selling it for five. We're leaving all the transaction rental costs out for just the sake of doing an example here. But you know, let's say you made a million dollars and that's the profit that you're splitting 70-30 with your investors. Well, 30% of that goes to your investor, uh, excuse me, 70% of that goes to your investors. So your investors make 700 grand and you make 300 grand. Okay, cool. All right, we made 300 grand in this scenario. Nice. You know, that's a... We made more money than the first situ the first scenario, um, but there's more analysis that needs to be done. And I think it's important to realize that all right, you, this is a successful deal. This deal went really, really well. You know, in terms of what most investors would accept as a as a good return. Um, you know, aside from doing an IRR calculation, we're basically saying they did a 1.7x your investors on their money in three years because they made 700 grand and a million invested. That's a really nice outcome. You know, that's about. Um, 20 some odd percent a year, right? I mean, that's that's nice. It's a good outcome, right? Your investors would be really happy, I'm sure, with that result. And in this optimal scenario, you made 300 grand over the course of the three years. Now let's talk about the money that you are that you need to invest in both situations, right? So five unit deal, you're putting 25% down, you know, you need to invest hundred grand. So you invest hundred grand, you know, you make hundred grand, you double your money, right? And this five unit situation and the five unit deal and the 50 unit deal, you're probably going to need to invest 10% of the equity, right? So you probably also need to invest in that in order to please the bank, to please your investors. I mean, it's kind of industry standard. You got to bring 10% of the equity to close a deal. Maybe you get away with doing a little bit less, but you're, you're still going to need money to close that most likely, right? If we're just talking about a typical situation, the bank's probably going to require it. Your investors are probably going to require it. So yeah, you, you invested hundred grand, you know, you made some money on that. You, you, you made, you know, 70 grand on that, which is nice, you know, on top of the 300. So you in total, you made 370 on your hundred grand. Now let's talk about what it takes to do a 50 unit deal. That's that you buy for four and that becomes worth five, right? In order to do a 50 unit deal and to sign on the loan, $3 million loan, right? That's what, that's what the loan's going to be a closing you need to have a $3 million net worth. Like that's what the bank requires. They want to see the guarantor, the signer of the loan to have a net worth equivalent to the loan balance. That's a pretty big hurdle, right? Especially if you're getting started. So maybe you got to bring somebody in. Maybe you got to go find a, you know, a partner to help you uh, to sign on the loan. That's got, you know, it's got a nice net worth, right? So you bring them in, you give them, I don't know, 20% of the general partnership or something like that. Well, there goes 20% of your profits, right? That 300 grand you made, they just took 20%. Now you only made 240 because they took 60. Now let's say you can't raise the whole million dollars. So you want to, you know, you bring somebody in to help raise some of the money or to help partner on the deal to, to get it across the finish line. Maybe you give them, you know, 30% of the deal or of the GP, I should say. So now you only own half, right? Now you're only making half of that $300,000 profit. You're making 150, right? And you're still making some money on the capital you invested, maybe 70 there, up over 200. But now you're starting to see, because that's how a lot of these deals get done, especially with newer investors, is they need to go out and find people to help them get a deal of this size across the finish line. And once you start slicing up the general partnership, next thing you know, there's not that much money at the end of the day for each, each of the individuals in the general partnership. So, you know, let's say you have half, you had to give half to some people to help sign the debt, to help, you know, raise the money. Maybe if there's a deal finder that you give a little bit to, or somebody who's helping on the asset management side, you give a little bit to. Maybe you just have half the general partnership. Well, now you're only making 150 on the GP side, right? You're still making some money as an LP, but you're not making that much on the GP side. 
comparatively to the risk that you're taking and the work required to execute a project like that. And then let's look at it from a different angle. How likely is it that you're going to, to find a significantly discounted five unit deal where you can really get in there and add some value, right? Where you can find a truly discounted deal that the rest of the market's overlooked or where the, the seller is just looking to fire sale because they don't know what they're doing. It's a lot easier to find a discounted five unit deal than it is to find a discounted 50 unit deal. I mean, it's, it's, it's not even like, it's an apples to oranges comparison in a lot of ways. So when we really sit down and think about the math here, we realize that it's not that much more profitable oftentimes to do these quote unquote larger deals, right? I'm talking about a five unit versus 50 unit here. Now, if we're talking about a hundred unit deal versus five unit, different ball game, you know, now we're talking about uh, you know, a hundred unit deal that we're buying at eight, that's going, you know, that's becoming worth 10. And now we have $2 million. I mean, now we're really starting to talk about real money. Um, and the other scenario that I mentioned in, that is, that, is that in the 50 unit deal, I didn't even consider there being a preferred return. I just talked about a straight split. You're also going to have a preferred return that, that your investors are due. So in reality, you're going to make less than I even mentioned. I just left it out to keep the math pretty simple. And you're probably not going to be taking any cash flow home in the short term. Um, it's very, very hard for a multifamily property to produce a cash on cash return that exceeds the preferred return and that allows the GP to make any money until there's a significant capital event, such as, such as a refinance or sale. Whereas on the five unit deal, you're probably taking home 500, 800, a thousand bucks a month in free cash flow, you know, depending on the market and the rents, 100 to 200 bucks a unit in free cash flow. And that actually, you know, that has an impact, right? It's not a ton of money, but you know, whatever it is, six to 12K a year in free cash flow, you can do something with that. That's money that you can invest in your business. That's money, you know, personally, that's probably can help pay your rent, help pay your mortgage, right? There's, there's an impact in your actual day-to-day -day life um, when you think about what that does. And people forget that when you invest in a large multifamily transaction, you raise the money, your investors are typically receiving any and all distributions. And you're probably not receiving any as a GP until you're years into the deal. And that's a really important thing to consider. So the reason that I wanted to record this episode is because I see so many investors that are just misguided about where they should be spending their time and where the money is actually made in real estate. Like sit down and do the math behind what the total GP compensation is in this big deal that you're looking at with five other co-GPs. Like you're probably better off just going and buying a three unit property like at below market value. I mean, seriously, I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's my opinion. Um, and this is why we still do smaller deals is because because we can get in, get out. You know, we can buy a six unit deal. We can tear through the business plan. We're done in six months. We refi it. There's real there's cash flow that's coming in. You know, it's something that I control. We don't have to spend all of this time um, on asset management, on managing the PM, on doing the tax returns at the end of the year, on on handling investor relations, on you know managing distributions. Like, there's a lot of work that goes into doing deals where you raise capital. It's just infinitely more work and infinitely more stress, might I add, because now other people are depending on you. It's just a different ballgame, and for a lot of people, it just doesn't make sense. So. I hope this was illuminating. I hope this um, unlocked something in at least somebody's mind out there as it relates to where you should be focusing your time and why bigger is not always better. Um, because for me, we do both. And oftentimes I just like these small deals where it's just like, it's incredibly simplistic. And there's actually more money at the end of the, at the, end of the road oftentimes. So uh, if you enjoyed this episode, if you learned something, uh, please consider leaving the podcast a rating and review. And if you really enjoyed it, please consider sharing this episode with somebody in your world. Uh, whether it's a coworker, a friend, a business partner, a service provider you work with, whoever, right? This uh, that's how the show gets noticed by more folks is uh, is when we share it. So, 
Appreciate all the folks that have done that in the past. And if you haven't and you enjoyed it, please consider doing so. But I will catch you guys on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. If you learned something new during the show, please consider sharing this episode with a friend, family member, or business partner, or just leaving a rating and review as it helps the show get noticed by more folks. Catch you next week.